What is? What is? What is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. I think what you just said made me look at those scenarios differently. God replaced all my junk with with a beautiful light. God's really been changing the way that I parent my children. The most amazing thing is the sufficiency of His Word. This is Transform. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University and Certified Biblical Counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. All right, welcome back to Transformed. My name is Dr. Greg Gifford, and we've been talking about parenting. Yes, you know what? We've chartered new territory here because in all of the Transform series, I haven't touched parenting yet. And if you go back and watch the TV series, I also haven't even plugged parenting there. So these next episodes are really unchartered territory for us in Transformed. But it's one of those things that I'll get emails about. And within counseling, I find that parenting is one of those top reasons why a person reaches out for counseling. You have marriage counseling, counseling for emotional issues, anxiety, depression, so forth, purity issues. But then parenting and helping folks think biblically about their parenting, develop biblical structures in their household, be consistent in their parenting. So all that to say, I've set aside four episodes to go towards parenting, and this is the second episode. So make sure that you're listening sequentially. Our first episode is about the goals of parenting, and I offered key definitions in that. So remember, the number one goal in parenting is that we would personally honor the Lord. And that means that the way that we parent would be glorifying to God. So I will spend more time on that this episode, but last episode, establishing our baseline. So what does that not mean? Vocational aptitude is not our number one goal. Getting a good job is not our number one goal. Getting a scholarship to go to college is not our number one goal. And I know many of you are hustling right now to get kids from sports and club ball and all of that, and you're dropping some serious coin to do that. But remember that sports that lead to scholarships are not our number one goal. Our number one goal is that we would personally honor the Lord. And then if God is so kind and gracious enough to change the hearts of our kids so that they want to do the same thing, that is our secondary goal. So a couple of definitions that you need within your vocabulary, and hopefully the last episode got you thinking about these. But number one, you need in your vocabulary a clear definition of what it means to be obedient in your household. So if you have a teenager at this point, some of it feels like the ship has already set sail, but I'm talking like two to 15, like you need a clear definition of what it means to be obedient. I offered this, that you would say, obedience is doing it the first time without complaining. So when that is not taking place, we are interpreting that as disobedience. And in our next episode, we're going to set up structures for what happens when our children are disobedient to us. So you need a definition of obedience. If you want to use the one I provided, feel free to do that. Or if you would like to adapt it in some way, you just need a definition of obedience. Number two, you need a clear definition of what a gracious, respectful appeal looks like. And in my household, and as I counsel individuals, It's a motto of something like this, where you can respectfully and graciously ask for me to change my mind one time. That's your appeal. So it's not begging. It's not flopping on the floor. It's not wallowing all over the floor, acting crazy. You get one respectful, gracious appeal. And after that, no more. So there are times when you're going to tell your child, hey, look, you've already had your appeal and the decision has been made. So now you have a choice. Are you going to obey or are you going to disobey? Last and not least was the idea of a warning. 
So warning, make sure that you find your own gracious way to remind your children that what they are preparing to do is to disobey you and there are consequences or that what they're preparing to do is to do the opposite of what you're asking them to do. So when we talk about a warning, I do think it's appropriate for you to provide a warning and a reminder, but that's one warning. That's not three warnings. I'm not a huge fan of the parents that count. If you know what I'm talking about, Johnny's over there screaming in the grocery store and they're like, Johnny, come to me. Ah! He's like Tarzan beating his chest. Cans of beans are flying. Johnny one. And you're like, oh no, Johnny ain't coming. Johnny two. Johnny is not moving. Johnny two and a quarter and three fifths minus one. And Johnny knows you're not, you don't mean business. So when you have a warning, you give one warning and then we're going to follow through on the consequences. Our yay will be yay and our nay will be nay. So our children slowly learn that if you're going to count to three, then three is now the new number. So one warning, find your way of doing that. Now, I want to get into our priorities. So today is the priorities of parenting. The first priority for our parenting, I want to highlight in Ephesians 6 and Colossians 3, something for you. So if you have your Bible, open it up to Ephesians 6. This is one of the clearest examples of parenting advice, parenting directives that are given in the scripture. Colossians 3 is going to be the next one, and we'll turn there after this. Number one, the first priority that we have is that you and I as parents would commit ourselves to personal holiness, that we personally want to be like Jesus Christ, okay? Uh, If my spouse is not on board today, then I still am committed to honoring the Lord. And hopefully my spouse is saying something like that as well. When you're thinking of your own parenting dynamics, we're saying that we are number one committed to being more like Jesus. That's the goal of our life. Just to be clear, we make it our aim to please him. So whether we're dead or alive, that's our goal. We want to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel as citizens of heaven, Philippians 1, 27. So what's your number one priority? Holiness. And where do I get that? It's not just theological deduction applied to parenting. Our, our chief end of Life is to glorify the Lord, but look at what Paul tells fathers in Ephesians 6, 4. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The first thing that is said here to dads is that you are to not provoke your children to anger. Go ahead and flip over to Colossians 3. And as you're turning there, let me just offer a couple of considerations. Part of what a parent's responsibility is is to be godly in the way they interact with their children. Ephesians 6.4. If a dad is exasperating his child, if a dad is provoking them to anger, he is sinning against them, making him a worse dad. Is it okay to say it so frankly? You are a worse father if you are an ungodly father. And I don't mean that all unbelieving dads are terrible dads. That's not the claim that I'm making. But what I am saying is that when you are a godly dad, you are committed to your personal holiness, what takes place is you are going to be a better dad. And the same would be true for moms. If you're a godly mom, you're committed to your own personal holiness, you will be a better mom. Colossians 3 says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. That's verse 21. So consider the first priority of parenting to be that we are settled in our own conviction that we are going to honor the Lord. We're going to honor the Lord personally. If our children are acting a fool, that's biblical for maybe disobeying. You can translate that. 
look it up somewhere. If your child is getting crazy, we are not going to respond in getting craziness. If our child is wayward, we are not going to give in to sinful responses to them. On the days when we're just flat exhausted, we are not letting our exhaustion lead us to angry outbursts. Think of the common ways that we as parents can sin against our children. Angry outbursts has to be towards the top. And it's no surprise that Paul addresses that towards dads in Ephesians 6. You're frustrated, you're tired, your child asks for one more thing, and you just, well, lava spew, burn. Think of anger as one of the ways that we as parents can sin against our children. Think of sinful words. When we get loud with our kids, it's because we are trying to now control the circumstance and just get them to listen to what we want. So oftentimes when we yell at our kids, if we give in to yelling, and and maybe we debate what yelling means in terms of decibels, but if you're sinfully speaking against your kids, then just recognize that is not their fault, it's your fault, and it's my fault. On the times where we get frustrated and we yell, we get loud, just leave me alone, can I not have five minutes of peace and quiet? I don't want to talk right now, like whatever those are, you and I have to say, my child cannot make me sin against them and my words, that's on me. There's a couple of other things that may not feel as obvious, but think of avoiding, you know that you need to be a proactive parent, your child's starting to get rambunctious, they're starting to be disruptive with their siblings and you're like, oh, come on, like, please, no, I just want to have a good evening. Instead of you proactively getting up and saying, hey, we need to talk. Let's go to your room and have a conversation. You're somewhat giving into laziness and avoiding the problem. Us being peacemakers as parents doesn't make it go away. And if you've met a 13-year-old who has a peacemaking parent, oftentimes they are a hot mess. Just chaos, drama everywhere. So we as parents, when we give into passivity, we're not proactive to help our kids. Our child can't make us be lazy. Just to be clear, our our child cannot make us worship comfort, and that's why we don't want to get up right now and go deal with the problem. Last but not least is the idea of impatience. We can commonly sin against our kids just by not being patient with them. Patience isn't their fault, honestly. I know there are demands, and some of you have multiple children that are young. Think like under eight, and you have two or three children within that bracket. Obviously, that is going to be a very tiring environment. But at the moment that I give in to being impatient, that is still not my child's fault. It's my fault. So you and I have to start by owning this commitment to personal holiness. It is God's call on our life, and we have all of the resources in Christ to honor Jesus no matter the circumstances. So if God's Spirit really is abiding in you, as 1 Corinthians 6 says, and you are now dead to sin, Romans 6 then you may be frustrated and tired and had a long day at work and somewhat broke. You just did the checkbook, so you're not in a great mood. And then all of a sudden, your child comes to you. In that moment, God is with you to give you the grace to do what is right. So we have that commitment. We as parents must individually, personally commit to honoring the Lord first and foremost. So we got to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to give you our second priority, which will be marital unity. We'll be right back. All 
Alrighty, well, we're going to take this quick break, as Dr. Gifford said. And first and foremost, I want to highlight an incredibly helpful resource from the Transform store at transform.org that will relate to today's topic of biblical parenting. Reset for Parents by Todd Friel. And that's a book that packs some biblical wisdom on raising kids God's way. And I'm not just saying that because I work for the man. This is a book that I highly recommend you grabbing. One of the things that he says that I've never thought about until I read it here is when your child sins, he or she doesn't need to be yelled at. Your child needs to be taken to the cross where a sin or forgiveness transaction can take place. Now think about that. Honestly, think that through. Todd continues by saying, go ahead, try to scream at your child when you're teaching them about Jesus's amazing sacrifice for their sins. Powerful words that will change the way you view how we are to parent our children. It is full of biblical wisdom. As Phil Johnson said, there are too many parenting books that focus entirely on training our kids to behave, but Christian moms and dads have an even higher calling. That's teaching our children to believe. I highly recommend you picking up Reset for Parents, available at transformed.org. And of course, while you're there, while you're clicking and perusing around transform.org, I also want to ask you to prayerfully consider partnering with our ministry by becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. We rely on the generosity of people just like you to produce life-changing resources like Transformed and to reach millions of people with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so would you consider joining us in this mission? You can get all of the details right now at transformed.org. Also, one last thing before we get back to Dr. Gifford. As you know, Transformed is more than just a radio program. It's also a TV series hosted by Dr. Gifford. And season three of the TV series has just been dropped. It's just been released. And Transformed season three is reality TV at its best. Believe me when I tell you that. It's not just a viewing experience. This is an opportunity to witness the tangible impact of biblical counseling and also be transformed yourself in the process. I highly recommend you picking that up as well. While you're at transform.org, I implore you to grab it. It's available right now. All right. Well, now let's get back to Dr. Gifford as he continues with this week's episode on parenting. This is Transformed. Welcome back to Transform. We have a tendency to let our feelings be the engine that drives our lives. And when we do, despair is soon to follow. And now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. Okay, thank you, Jimmy. Thanks for the resources. Again, I would continue to advertise shepherding a child's heart. Look, if you guys don't have that book, skip lunch. Buy the book, go to transform.org and find that book. It's such a valuable resource and it's timeless. The good thing is the theology, the doctrine, but then also the practice. He gives you a lot of just very helpful specifics. So I used that book in my own parenting. And when I'm counseling, I will often use that book to help people learn different things. Priority number one, we are committed to personal holiness. We're not going to be angry. We're not going to be impatient. We're not going to avoid. We're not going to be lazy. We're not going to use sinful words. None of that because we personally want to honor Jesus in our parenting. Number two, second priority, marital unity. Yes, marital unity. And you're like, okay, I didn't. This, is this a marriage thing that we're going to go into marriage principles? I just want to make a couple of observations and then share with you from Genesis 2. I have found in counseling that poorly behaved children often come from chaotic environments, chaotic homes. What do I mean by that? If you have a child, think like three to nine, and there's just behavioral issue after behavioral issue. Honestly, it's somewhat of a moot point to try to individually meet with disciple, counsel, 
Secular individuals would say therapy. It's often a moot point to meet with that five-year-old who has significant behavioral issues if their home is not in order. You would be surprised that many of the behavioral issues that are perpetuated by children, not all of them, but many of them, are because they live in just absolute chaos. Mom and dad are not on the same page. They act one way when they're with mom, another way when they're with dad. There's inconsistent parenting expectations. There's little to no consequences or discipline for that child. So what you're seeing in this behavioral meltdown at school is really the culmination of a home life that's it's borderline train wreck, but it's at least chaotic. So how do we think about parenting? My first goal is to say, hey, family, mom, dad, this may not be the easiest thing for you to hear. You have come for me to fix your child and to help your seven-year-old, eight-year-old learn how to submit to you and obey. But you guys are not on the same page. And the reason why your child is acting out is large in part due to your lack of unity. You have to hear me on this. I can't help Johnny, the seven-year-old, until you guys begin to clarify your expectations and your plan of discipleship and parenting. You have a consistent bedtime. Your schedule's aligned. Your screen time privileges and expectations are consistent. I can't help Johnny until you guys bring order to your home. If you don't have unity between each other, your children are going to live in absolute chaos. So poorly behaved children often expose a lack of unity in our marriages. I'm sorry to say that some of you who are listening to this are like, man, I'm trying to get parenting help and you're poking me in the eyeball. Quit. I'm not trying to poke you in the eyeball, but I do want you to know that your marriage and the unity of your marriage actually makes your home environment more peaceful. Your children are going to have greater understanding of what you guys expect. So you guys need to, first of all, get onto the same page with the expectations of your children in your marriage. So just by way of maybe a theological refresher, think of Genesis 2.24. Okay, this is a blueprint for marriage. Genesis 2.24 is It's interwoven throughout the Old Testament into the New Testament as God's plan for marriages. And this is the passage that says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Malachi is going to quote that. You're going to see that Jesus cites that in Matthew 19. In Ephesians 5, Paul quotes Genesis 2. So we know that Genesis 2 is a blueprint. That's what Wayne Mack would say, a blueprint for your marriage. Why do I bring that up now? Holding fast to your spouse is the number one earthly priority for your relationships. Your spouse is numero uno, which is Spanish for number one. You guys are welcome. So when we think about understanding how this relates to our children, technically, I love my children. I have three of them. I mentioned this last episode, all boys. I love my boys, but my number one earthly priority is my wife. And hopefully if my wife were sitting here, she would say, yes, I agree. My number one earthly priority is when you are married, your number one earthly relationship is not your children. It is your spouse. Why? Because that's God's blueprint for marriage. Your parents have now shifted. They are a priority in your life, but they're not number one. Instead, now your spouse is number one. And if God gives you children, then your children are not number one. They will be with you maybe 18 years, 20 years, but they are not going to live with you forever. And you recognize that your spouse is a priority. Guys, if you want to be a worse parent, hear me on this, and I'll try to say this very carefully. If you want to be a worse parent, have a child-centered home. Let your child call the shots. 
Be on your child's side, not your spouse's side. Let your child cause division in your marriage. And what you'll find out is that you're actually a worse parent in the end than being a better parent. It's hard. Sometimes we're frustrated with our spouse and the warm and fuzzies are not there immediately. And it's easier to cuddle up with our children and to find refuge in the relationships with them. And moms, I think this is a particular challenge that you will face as well. That there are going to be times when you're frustrated with your husband and you're having to say, you know what, but he is my number one earthly priority and I can't let my love for my children uh, supersede or eclipse my love for my husband. We're fighting for the unity of our marriage because if I let my children become the number one earthly priority, I'll be a worse dad and obviously a worse husband, or you'll be a worse mom and obviously a worse wife. So we are unified as parents. We have to fight for this unity. What do I mean by this unity? That you and I as a family, we have to get onto the same page. Your children are going to expose the cracks in unity. So to best serve the children, we must grow in our unity is what they're going to tell mom. Dad doesn't care if I use electronics like this. And you're like, dad's not here now, is he? Quatcha! Oh, okay. Or they're talking to dad. Mom doesn't mind if I do this. Mom said this was okay. And you're having to say, Either you guys are lying or mom and I need to sync up and make sure that we get on the same page here. In our discipline and in the fulfillment of our expectations, our children are going to feel when we as a couple are not on the same page. That's what I mean by unity. You're fighting for that unity. You have to communicate to maintain that unity. You have to be clear about what you both want your children to be doing, how many sports you want them to be in and not be in, how many extracurricular activities You have to communicate with each other. And if you're not doing that, then what takes place is your children, they expose the cracks of your disunity. They're going to show you. So you're asking, some of you will, will ask or think this way, can we counsel children? Do biblical counselors typically meet with children? And the answer is usually no. Maybe those that are like 15 and up, we might meet with a late teenager But most of the time, we're going to meet with the family and the parents and help the parents sync up first and then begin to develop their parenting plans. So if you and I are unified as parents, then our children will be blessed by that. But if you and I are not unified, then our children will not be blessed. As parents, we prioritize each other as husband and wife or wife and husband, and we are going to speak well of the other parent. If we have a disagreement about what has been said, you're, you come in and your children are using electronics and you're like, what? I told you not to do this. Dad said I could do it. Then we are going to go sync up together as parents. And then I'm going to come back with the updated expectation. So instead of me now shifting the rules, I'm going to go back and sync up with my spouse. This is the habit that we're getting into. So when our expectations are delivered to our children, I'm not going to undermine what my spouse has said. I'm not going to be disrespectful to them. I know mom said that, but I'm saying this. That's a bad, disrespectful habit to get into. So what we're going to do is, first of all, if we don't like what's taking place, we're going to go back and begin to sync up as a couple and say, hey, I think you said that this could happen. I didn't want the kids to go out tonight. So do you mind talking to them and, and helping them come back or at least be back by a reasonable time? In that, we are prioritizing unity and we're respecting each other in this process. We're not going to speak down. We're not going to change the rules because what will happen is your children will feel like they have whiplash. It's like, who do I listen to? Mom or dad? They're both like, I get mixed messages from either of them. So start by you guys syncing up through good communication. So the brief thought that I wanted to offer for those of you that are co-parenting or you're in a situation where mom and dad are not in the same location, 
just remember that you're doing what you can to be effective and you're doing what you can to sync up. And I know some of you may be co-parenting with belligerent people. And so it feels like they're undermining you specifically to just be vindictive. On those occasions, just remember that God is completely in control and sovereign and you're going to do what you can. And as your children get older, they will notice the vindictiveness and the belligerency of the other individual. So what do you do right now? You be faithful. You provide a normal structure. You do your best to communicate with the other parent. But then just recognize that God is the one that ultimately has to make our children holy, sanctified, set apart to him. So you're not failing them. They're not being shortchanged. And that will prevent you from getting frustrated, mean, falling back into that pattern as well. So the two key takeaways from today's episode are number one, first priority, personal holiness. Second priority, marital unity. And if we make those our priorities, it's going to set us up for the mechanics of parenting. So next episode, I'm going to talk through identifying age-specific plans to develop for your children. So that means a three-year-old's plan is different from a 13-year-old's plan. So I hope you'll join me on the next episode. So let me pray. I'm going to pray for all of us so that we would be faithful and that our children would be blessed through this. Lord, we come to you. We are very honored to get to be parents. And there are those that are in just the throes of parenting right now. Some I know have wayward children, and that's a burden for them. Lord, I do pray that you would use these series to help remind us. Some of us just need to be refreshed and go back to the basics that we once knew and once practiced. For others, that these things are really going to be uncharted territory and they're learning and growing. They didn't have exemplary parents and now they're personally trying to honor you as best as they can. So Lord, help us to be good parents because we love you and may you use our efforts to save our children and help them to be worshipers of your son, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. This has been Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford, a production of Gospel Partners Media. Our website, of course, is transformed.org, and it is your central hub for finding in-depth information on all things transformed. If you've enjoyed Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford, consider subscribing and sharing with your friends and church family. Also, would you prayerfully consider joining this labor of love by becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner? And until next time, go serve your king. 